Amen, amen. How's everyone doing this morning? All right, you guys are the faithful ones. You come to church during this incredibly dangerous hurricane we're under right now? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Let's open up the Word of God today as we continue our series, Bless This Mess. I want to open up to the book of Judges, chapter 15. As you remain standing, I want to read this word for you guys. In Judges, chapter 15, beginning at verse 14. The Bible says, As Samson arrived to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell off his wrist. And then he found a jawbone of a recently killed donkey. That's interesting. Of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up, and he killed 1,000 Philistines with it. Then Samson said, With this jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. And with this jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. And when he finished boasting, he threw away the jawbone, and he placed it in this place. Notice what he says. He placed it and named the place Jawbone Hill. Now Samson was now very thirsty. And he cried out to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory by your strength, your servant, but now must I die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? So God caused water to come out of the hollow ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. Samson judged Israel for 20 years in that period. I love that the Bible says, and Samson revived. Because even the strongest men and women enter periods of life that they need revival. Amen? And that's what I want to preach to you today. And the subject of, revive me, Lord. Let's pray. Father, bless this word this morning. I thank you, Lord, that we've gathered. I thank you, Lord, that you've spared us from this hurricane and you've blessed us with protection. I thank you for those who have come to church today seeking your wisdom and your word and also to give you worship and praise. Father, open our minds to understand now. I believe that a lot of us, Lord, there has to be this inner revival in us. I believe, Lord, sometimes we get tired like Samson, can't go on like Samson. But you are a God of revival. So, Father, help us to see and learn how Samson was able to be revived by you. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. You guys can have a seat. <clears throat> As we go into this series, Bless This Mess. You know, I wasn't going to preach on this, but a few weeks ago I was reading this passage, and it really grabbed my attention because I found Samson to be the one that everyone knows is the strongest He's one of the most impressive people in the Bible. Killed thousands of soldiers, did incredible things in the supernatural that people couldn't understand. But as I continue to read the story of Samson, now you find him in this pretty messed up situation. He's made a life. He's made some few bad choices. He's made some bad mistakes. And now you see that the Philistines have actually captured him and they've tied him up. And 
we know that Samson is bound and Samson cannot break free yet. But see, the enemy now has captured him. The enemy thinks that they've won. The enemy think that they've really conquered Samson. They're, they're actually celebrating in triumph. And as I read this story, you read of God stepping in. You read of God and his divinity. You read of God and his power. Let me explain some things that God showed me as I read this passage. Number one, whenever you find yourself in a stressful situation, whenever you find yourself bound and in trouble, and maybe you're in a season that it feels like the enemy is really winning and you're losing, let me tell you a few things you need to remember about God. You guys ready for this? Number one is in verse 14. And this is what the Bible says. Number one, the Bible says, Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But listen to this. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. Number one and first and most important. Always remember the omnipotence of God. And that's just a fancy word that means that God is all powerful. It means that nothing goes above God. It means that nothing can overpower him. It means that nothing can weaken him. It means that God is above all things, even the things you're currently going through right now. And because we serve an all-powerful God in his love and through his Holy Spirit, he has given us this access to this power. Notice the Bible says that the power came upon Samson. So the first thing I want you to remember is that God has the ability to do supernatural things within you. It means that God's power is available to us. It means that even though you may feel limited, because you serve a limitless God, you can get through whatever it is you're going through right now. Because you have access to this power, the Bible calls this the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is not some force, it's not some energy, it's not some weird spirit. No, the Holy Spirit is God. The three are one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that's why if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, God dwells in us. And if God dwells in us, the Bible says with God, all things are what? Possible. So now you have access to the power of God so that it can cause you to do things you think you can't do. The supernatural power of God enables Samson to break a rope that couldn't be broken. Before the Spirit fell on Samson, he was bound and he couldn't be set free. But when God came upon him, the Bible says that that string broke like wax, like nothing. That's how powerful the Holy Spirit can be in your life. God can enable you to do what right now the devil says you can't. So if you're struggling with sin through the power of God, you can overcome it. 
If you're struggling with addiction through the power of God, you can defeat it. If you're saying, I can't be a forgiving person, I can't love, I'm not capable of kindness, you are right. You're not. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do all things. You can defeat sin, unforgiveness, through the power of God. You can have supernatural wisdom that God can actually direct you and guide you to really set you free. So Samson... Always remember that through God, you have this power. So don't walk around powerless, defeated. The second thing you need to remember if you find yourself in this great trouble and mess in your life is found now in verse 15. And this is one of my favorite things about God. The Bible says, as Samson was bound... And as the enemies were singing in triumph and victory over him. It says that he found, after he's been broken free, he happened to look down on the ground and he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. Now stay with me. He picked it up and killed a thousand people with the dentures of a donkey. Is that God? That's God. You see, sometimes life gets hard that when you get out of it, all you can say is, that was God. That was God. But what I want you to understand is what are the odds that there happened to be a dead donkey right when Samson needed a weapon? You know what that's called? The omniscience of God. Meaning that God is not only all-powerful, but God is all-knowing. It's crazy because, let's do some science here, but if an animal dies and it's down to the bone, it took a few weeks to decompose, right? So that tells me that before Samson was even in the mess he was in, God already ordained a way out. God already had a plan. Weeks before Samson found himself in that very spot he was in, God already knew, Samson, you're going to make this mistake, you're going to do this, you're going to go the wrong path, and this is going to happen to you, but I'm way ahead of you because I already know. I am all-knowing, and because God sees and God knows all, God has a plan for everything you're going through right now. And it's not a coincidence that a donkey happened to die weeks before, decomposed just be able to get a bone to kill a thousand Philistines. That is God. The omniscience of God means that God appoints things at the right time to get you at the right place. Don't let the devil tell you you're lost. You don't know what you're going to do. What happens if this happens? And what if? And what if? And what am I going to do? God in his omniscience already knows where you need to be at what time and where. He's going to set it up for you. It's not a coincidence. It's not chance. It's not luck. It's God who knows all. And the Bible says in verse 15, this donkey was not, he didn't just die. The Bible makes a point there. The jawbone of a recently 
killed. He was killed. Why would a donkey be killed? Who kills a donkey? It's not for food. You couldn't eat it in the Hebrew culture. And when I read that, I said, God, that makes no sense. Who would kill a donkey? And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, yeah, because sometimes I don't make sense. You know that God makes no sense sometimes. It makes no sense why a donkey was killed. But you know what I thank God for? That I don't have to understand why God does what He does. I just have to trust Him that He's working out a plan for my life and for yours. And everything is under His time. You may not like where you're at. But God is going to get you to where you need to be. And I feel strongly about this because there are too many Christians that are believing this lie. That they're just living life through chance. Well, I hope this happens. And I hope this happens. You need to understand, God has ordained every day of your life. And if you understand the omniscience of God, you can live in peace. Because you don't need to know. You just have to trust. That's why David, I wonder about David, King David. Most Davids are awesome people and spiritual. But this was my favorite David. Because the Bible says in Psalm 1830, he understood the omniscience of God. This is David who was betrayed, who lost friends, lost family, went through battles, went through a lot of hurt, loneliness. And you know what he said about God? God's way is, say with me, it's perfect. What? Hey, raise your hand if that's your attitude during crisis. When you're going through something difficult, do you say, oh, this is perfect? Maybe in sarcasm, like, perfect, now What? You don't think of it as perfect. But if you would tell yourself God's ways are perfect, you would understand that that word perfect doesn't mean without pain. It doesn't mean easy, comfortable. That word perfect literally translates in the Hebrew to be whole and complete. It means that God's ways are never wrong. Listen to me. God's ways are never wrong. You may look at your life and think, God did something wrong. Lord, I I shouldn't be going through this. I shouldn't be having this in my life right now. And you look at other people's lives and compare it to yours and you think, well, God, something went wrong. Because by now, I should have been here. I should have had this. God, you did something wrong. You know, you can look at this coronavirus and think God did something wrong. 
You can look at the job losses and think God did something wrong. You can look at cancer coming into your body and think, God, you did something wrong. You can look at yourself in your 30s and 40s still single and still think God did something wrong. You can see yourself childless and still think God did something wrong. Through all the pain and hurt, the devil tells you God is wrong. God wronged you. But the Bible clearly says here, God's ways are never wrong. Because God works all things for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. His purpose. So that's why David maintained peace. Because he wasn't denying. He often called and wrote about his crime. He often talked about his loneliness. He talked about his pain. He talked about his depression. But David understood one powerful thing about God. His ways are perfect. God doesn't do wrong. Do you feel like God has wronged you? See, the story of Samson teaches me the all-powerful God we serve and the all-knowing. God knows what he's doing. Psalm 37, 23. David wrote this. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Every detail about your life, God is in. Hey, God's not ignoring you. God is in the details. And He's directing your steps. That word godly, it doesn't mean that you go to church every Sunday, you're awesome, you're in ministry, you read your Bible. No, the word godly simply means a child of God. If you're a child of God, God is directing you. In every detail. That's why you don't have to live anxious. You, you don't have to live in fear. Confused. You can trust that God's ways are perfect. And He knows all things. So when I read the story of Samson, and I, I saw how God's supernatural power enabled Samson to do what he would never have been able to do by himself, I realized, man, I have that power. And when I saw that that donkey died at a certain time, at a certain place for the right season in Samson's life, I knew that God was doing the same thing in my life. God's timing is in everything. So don't live your life wondering, thinking God has wronged you, being stressed out, wondering how it's going to happen, when is it going to happen, and God, what if it doesn't happen? And you can rest and breathe and relax a little bit, knowing that you serve an all-powerful God who knows all things and is in every detail in your life. I'm not going to say another word until you praise Him right now. That's terrible praise. You serve a better God than that. But this is what really got me a little bit confused. Now you see Samson 
in verse 18, and the Bible says he's dying. He's dehydrated. He's weak. He can't go on anymore. How does someone like Samson, who has access to the divine power of God and the divine knowledge of God, who's under God's divine appointment, how does someone like Samson now end up losing his life almost and weak and not being able to go on anymore and powerless and defeated? You know what this teaches us, church? Because it taught me. Having access to the power of God through the Holy Spirit and even having that understanding that we're under the divine appointment of God. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to live a life of victory. Because like Samson, I believe there's a lot of born-again Christians who have access to this power of God but are defeated right now. I believe there's a lot of Christians who have access to the power of God right now, but they're in a season that they're saying, I can't go on anymore. I believe there's a lot of Christians that feel empty, like Samson, dry, like Samson, powerless, like Samson, and even though they have the power of God, they're not living under it. And that might be you. I see a lot of Christians like this. It's happened to us. It's happened to me. It's happened to this church. It's happened to you. We have these seasons that we're great and God is awesome and we're strong. And then we enter these seasons of defeat where the devil, like the Philistines here, are looking at you in triumph. And it feels like you're losing. And I prayed and I said, Lord, what went wrong? How do you go from having a great victory to now being defeated? And one thing happened that almost destroyed Samson's life and it would destroy yours. You want to know? This is going to be a hard one. Verse 17. I'm going to offend a lot of people today. Not here, online. But listen. When he finished his what? His boasting. Because remember, the Spirit of God came upon Samson. And Samson picked up the donkey bone. Killed a thousand people. And this was a moment to say, thank you God. This was a moment to say, God, I didn't deserve this. This is a moment to say, God, you're awesome. But Samson got this selfie stick and said, I'm awesome. He picked up that donkey bone. And he made, he threw it on a hill and he called it Donkey Bone Hill. So that when people would walk by and see that hill, they would say, man, Samson is awesome. You know what that is? That is Old Testament social media. I want people to look at my life and see how awesome I am. I love how quiet it is. Because we live in this culture of boasting. 
And when God does something awesome, it's a time to go and reflect on Him, but you reflect it on yourself. So when Samson killed a thousand people, he literally thought he did it. It was him. But it wasn't. It was all God. I say this with love in Jesus' name. You're not that awesome. I'm not awesome. Only God is. Samson had an issue with pride. You want to destroy your life? Let pride come in. Proverbs 16, 18 says it best. Pride goes before destruction. And haughtiness before a fall. That word haughty is to really think inside yourself, like talking to yourself that you're awesome. Not mean, it doesn't mean like, wow, you're a haughty. It's, <laughs> no. Like, I am a haughty. No, that's not what I'm saying. Pride will always lead to destruction. God hates it. Because the glory is taken off him. And it's put on something or someone else. And I also believe the Bible says God hates pride because he knows the destruction it will bring to your life. And anything that will destroy your life, believe me, God hates. Because he loves you. Pride will always destroy you. And you know why sermons like this never work? Is because prideful people are too prideful to admit they're prideful. And it takes a humble person to say, I need this message. But prideful people are going to walk out church today and say, wow, so-and-so needed that. That's why it's always hard. We live in such a prideful world today. Prideful people, they don't lean on God. Prideful people don't repent. Prideful people do what they want. Prideful people only think of themselves. Prideful people have such a high view of themselves that it causes them to have a less view of God. And there are severe consequences to pride. James 4, 6, the Bible says that God, He gives grace upon grace. But notice, but He gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the Scripture says, notice the Bible calls pride evil. God opposes the proud, but He gives favor to the humble. When God, that word oppose, it's a military term. It's when an army would set up and get ready to fight you. Can you imagine God setting up and getting ready to fight you? Who wants to fight God? But if you're prideful, that's exactly what's happening. You are setting yourself up for God to come against you. 
And if you want the favor of God in your life, you better start humbling yourself. You know, pride reminds me of like, like balloons. I, I hate balloons, but... You know what pride does? It inflates you. The Bible says it puffs you up. So every time you do something awesome, you're like... And you get a little bit, you know. You know there's a lot of puffy people in the church. Don't think that humble people are all in church. Because a lot of religion has pride in it. I've seen as a pastor, the most humble people change when they, you give a ministry. Hey, join this ministry. Okay, the next week, I'm a theologian. They walk different now. I'm in ministry. They change. They get puffy. They look at their accomplishments and they man, I can't believe I did that. And it's great to have a sense of value in the things you've done. I'm not saying that. But it's when you become bigger than what you really are. It's great that you have degrees. That's cool, I guess. But that's not what makes you great. I'll never forget when they asked me, Pastor, what are you going to do with your degree? I had no idea. I said, I think I might hang it in my living room or maybe in my room. I don't know. I had no idea that, that it was a whole other question. I don't even know where it's at right now. Where's my degree, Mom? <laughs> There's a file cabinet. I'm just like, whatever, whatever. Anyway, prideful people get a little, a little big for themselves. You ever met a, a big shot that they're not so big? They come into church. They start reading the Bible and they already know it. They learn a few Hebrew words. Oh my goodness. And they're ready to preach. You can't teach them, can't advise them. And they're always having to talk about themselves. You know what happens when you're prideful? And you start getting bigger? What happens as I continue to put more and more and more air into this? It gets a little bit more tense, doesn't it? And that's a little warning from God. You want more tension in your life? Become a prideful, arrogant person. You want more tension in your marriage? Be a prideful spouse. You want tension in your family? Be a prideful person. You want tension in your finances? Be prideful about it. But there comes a point that there's so much tension... You break. And the balloon gets destroyed. And that's why so many homes are destroyed, and churches are destroyed, and marriages are destroyed, and people are destroyed, because pride comes in. And it starts getting you off from God. 
It starts convincing you that you don't need God. And God allows a destruction to remind you. You always need Him. So I want to help you to see if you're prideful. You want to take a little pride test? Because I have to give you a test because if you're really, really prideful, you're not seeing it. You just don't. I've met some of the most arrogant people that think they're humble. But they're not. So let's all fail this test together. You ready? And the prideful person, I'm not going to fail this one. Number one, through Samson, we see this. You're struggling with pride. If there's a lack of worship and devotion to God in your life. That's what the Lord showed me there because, listen, when you read, how many of you have read the story of Samson? Right? All right, answer this. Do you ever read about Samson worshiping? You don't. Do you ever read of him praying? Oh yeah, you do. Only when he was in trouble. Prideful people call out to God when they're in trouble. But when they're not, they're telling God, I don't need you right now. You don't see God, you don't see Samson praising God, ever. You never hear the guy say, thank you, Lord. You don't see him worshiping. You don't see him spending time with God. You don't see him offering sacrifices. You don't see this close relationship with God. Because when you're prideful, you really don't think you need to be close with God. If there's a lack of worship and intimacy with God in your life, that's a sign of pride. Why? Because worship requires the utmost humility. When you're worshiping, you're taking your eyes off everything and yourself and you're putting them on God. You're acknowledging that God is the highest. When you're prideful, you can't do that. So if there's a lack of devotion to the things of God in your life, Pride is not too far. You want proof? What was the devil's occupation before being the devil? He was a worship leader, Frankie. And when pride came in, and he said, you know, God, I could be like him. God's not that... And he wanted the worship for himself. The second pride came in, the devil stopped worshiping God. Because you cannot have a humble spirit to worship with pride in your heart. And it destroyed the devil's life. And I believe that's why the devil loves to put pride in you because he knows it would lead you away from the worship that God deserves. So ask yourself, do I have this heartfelt devotion to God? Number two. You ready? You push people away. 
And not on purpose. You know what else you don't read about in Samson's story? Not only the lack of worship, but the lack of friends he had. And I thought, maybe I said, oh, maybe he's a loner. Because not, there's nothing wrong with being alone. I'm alone. I don't like people that much. And I'll tell you the truth. I, I like to be alone. But listen, I'm humble enough to admit that. So don't you pridefully judge me. <laughs> Saw what I did there? Now I'm being prideful. Okay. Anyway, you don't read of Samson having friends. You know why? Because prideful people, they push people away. Everyone hated the guy. No one likes a prideful, arrogant person. You know, Samson and his pride, he was easily angered. Do you get easily triggered, angered, when things don't go your way? When God forbid someone offends you, do you go, I can't believe they did that to me? And you get angry. I'm going to post something. I'm going to tell the pastor. And the pastor doesn't care. He doesn't. Samson was such a prideful, angry person that when he was offended, he burned someone's field. He burned someone's field. He set it on fire. Didn't care about his home. Didn't care about his family. Why? Because I'm angry. Pride has anger in it. Samson pushed people away because he had a hot temper. Samson pushed people away in his pride because he was very critical of others. Always calling out the weakness of others. If you're a prideful people, guess what? You're a critical person. You start looking at the faults of everyone, not their strengths. You're quick to see the mistakes in others. The minute you meet someone, you think, what's wrong with them? Something's off. I have discernment. No, you're just prideful. You're quick to see everything that's wrong. You never hear Samson apologizing because he's prideful. Not only is Samson hot-tempered, critical, the guy never said, I'm sorry. Because prideful people don't apologize. They're too prideful to admit they were wrong. And when you're a person that never owns up to anything, who's going to want to be with you? So every, he naturally pushed people away. Samson never took advice from others. Why? Because you can't tell him what to do. He already knows. His parents advised him. He didn't listen because prideful people don't like to be taught. And they push people away. Humility attracts people. Pride repels them. And it's sad when you see a prideful person who can't be taught because they're so great. Man, I had a guy here in this church for like a year or two. Every Sunday, the guy would sit near the front row and he would get a notepad and he would write. And I'm thinking, man, this guy is into this. Look at him learning. Man, this is awesome. 
And every Sunday, the guy would come up to me with his notes of everything he didn't like about what I said. Didn't learn a thing for two years. Because you couldn't teach him. Samson pushed people away. I've seen a lot of lonely people because of pride. The last one. You know you're prideful when you don't really have a sincere worship of God. You know you're prideful when you push others away because of your anger, self-centeredness, your self-centeredness, sorry, your critical spirit, your lack of apology, and your lack of advice receiving. But you know you're prideful. Because like Samson, you don't think of others. You just think of yourself. It's all about you. When Samson sat at the dinner table with everyone, you know what he wanted to talk about? Guess. Himself. I killed a lion today with my bare hands. It's all about them. Self-centered. Me. Spotlight. Me. When Samson hurt other people, it was always about him. When God named him Samson, the word Samson is a Hebrew word that means sunlight. It was literally to mean, Samson, you're supposed to be light for others. But Samson wanted the light for himself. Isn't that interesting? Samson's abilities and strength were given by God so that he will be a blessing to others. But when you're prideful, you don't have that desire to be a blessing to others. You want everyone to be a blessing to you. And it's all about you. When Samson was thirsty and dry and dying, it's because pride was getting to him already. When Samson defeated those 1,000 men with that donkey bone that was God, that should have been a sign and a time for him to realign himself with God. But instead of realigning himself with God, the first thing he says is, I'm thirsty. God, give me something. You know why? Because when you're prideful, you only want God to do for you. And all he was thinking about was his thirst. It was always about him. He made it always about him. So in closing, it's no wonder that the pride that Samson had in his life was making a mess. Could God really bless a mess like Samson? Not at that moment. But Samson needed to be humbled. You know what this country needs? To be humbled. That's why God is allowing this right now. Maybe what you need right now is to be humbled. To realize you're nothing. We're nothing without God. To realize that everything you have is God. Every victory, every blessing, every talent is God. You serve an all-powerful, all-knowing God. And it's not about you.
Verse 18, Samson, he's dying. He's weak. He can't go on anymore. He's very thirsty. And Samson cried out to the Lord. The first thing you need to do if you're struggling with pride is cry out to God. cry out means to, to really call upon him to, to look to God. Wherever, however far your pride has gone in you, you can still call on God. You can still cry out to him. And as he cried out, the Bible says, look at the change of attitude. You have accomplished this great victory. Wait a minute, that wasn't the little song you were singing before. But see, through the pain and the weakness and the suffering, Samson had a little wake-up call and he realized everything I've accomplished has been God. See, Samson, he now gave glory to God. He now said, Lord, this is your your blessing. You did this. And in his humility, he realized he was nothing. And the Bible says in verse 19 that God opened up the ground and water came out and Samson revived. How do you experience a revival within yourself? Before we talk about a revival in America, a revival in the churches, I think that all revivals begin with the person. Not the church, not our country, the person. And if you need a revival within yourself, Cry out to God again in humility and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Because, Lord, I can't. But I know you can. And when Samson humbled himself, the Lord revived him because the Bible says he will exalt the humble. So if you want to make a mess of your life, continue to live with a lack of worship and devotion to God. Stay prideful. You want to make a mess of your life, push people away, keep pushing them away. Continue to be hot-tempered and angry. Continue to be self-centered. Continue to be critical of others. Continue to never be wrong, always right, never say sorry, Do no wrong. Don't apologize. It's them, not you. Continue that. Continue to receive no advice because you know everything. Come back to me and let me know how it goes for you. Continue to be self-centered. Think about yourself. So that God can set up himself against you. But if you want to revive... Cry out to God again. 
Let's pray, church. If you're here right now, you're taking, maybe you're listening online. Just take a moment to ask yourself, Lord, am I prideful? Have I forgotten that it's you? Not me. Lord, am I pushing people away? Lord, is my devotion to you lacking? Lord, is life about me? If that's you, you simply repent and tell God, Lord, I confess my pride. I confess. And I ask you to forgive me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. And I pray here today or to anyone listening online that you would revive us with humility. Lord, I need you. We need you. Our church needs you. Our country needs you. Forgive us when we puff up. Forgive us when we take the glory for ourselves. Lord, we are nothing. Receive us. Revive us. And help us to be the light to the world in humility. Bless the mess we've made because of our anger, our lack of wanting advice, our criticism. Bless the mess that we have made because of pride. And humble us again. And Father, I pray for those who are prideful now. Who think they didn't need this message. Lord, break them. Like you did, Samson. In Jesus' name, give God some glory today, some praise. Amen. And amen. I want to thank you guys for joining us today in church.